Well, excited about uh, this conversation, this series that we've just started here in the last handful of weeks. And uh, we, we were talking about moments of wonder. And uh, there's really a couple ways to view this as we talk about Christmas and our Christmas series. We said that uh, really there's moments of wonder always around the Christmas season. Uh, moments of nostalgia and moments when uh, we are impacted and we kind of remember and look back and say, God, it's amazing what you've done in our lives uh, it's amazing what you've done in our hearts. God, thank you for our family. Uh, th- thank you for the ways you've provided for us. And we just kind of stand back in awe and in wonder of what God has done. Uh, we, we said it's also true that sometimes as we enter into the holiday season, uh, the flip side of that coin is also true that we stand in moments of wonder. Uh, when we look at God and, and we say, God, I don't really understand what's happening I wonder, what, what are you doing right now in my life? Are you still with me? Have you left me? Have you abandoned me? Is your blessing on me or not? Like, God, are you there? Right? And there's, there's moments of wonder, and then there's moments of wonder. Right? Kind of both sides of the spectrum, we're going to run into the holidays and feel that and, and be struck by that. And what we're going to spend some time doing, and we started this just last week, is we started to look at kind of the people that surrounded the story of the birth of Christ and were locking into their moments of wonder. And they're a lot like we are. Uh, they're normal people. They're not biblical characters not necessarily. We kind of think of them that way. They're not people that are cemented back in history and sainthood. Uh, they are gritty human beings just like you and I that are, are captivated by moments of awe, moments of wonder, and uh, they're confounded by moments of wonder, the deep questions of life, and they would face that entire range of human emotion that just like you and I would. And so we're taking some time to really look at uh, some of these folks who would surround and kind of swirl around the story of Jesus and his birth. And we started last weekend with Mary, and it kind of unpacked her story. If you missed that one, I encourage you to catch up online. And uh, what we looked at was just a little bit of a snapshot of this young girl. Man, she's a teenager, maybe, right? Sometime kind of somewhere in that range of 12 to 14 years old, most likely. This young woman who is kind of introduced to this unbelievable news that now she has to manage and steward, and how does she do that? How is she to respond to that? So kind of an amazing story that plays out as she is told that she's going to be the mother to right, kind of the, the son of God, how do you take that in? How do you process that? So we looked at her story a little bit last week. And then what we want to do today is kind of look at the other side of that story. Uh, we want to look at the, the announcement of the birth of Christ through Joseph's eyes. Right? Joseph and Mary are engaged. The word that the Bible would use is betrothed. And let me just kind of catch you up to what that looks like. So in the ancient world, uh, to be betrothed is, is basically this. So we, we would think in, in terms of uh, I meet somebody I like, I start to date them, uh, right? I'm interested in you, you're interested in me, we're going to start a relationship. If that relationship works out, maybe we're going to move uh, deeper into a dating commitment, eventually get engaged, and then move towards marriage. Uh, we, we said this last week that in the ancient world, it's not quite how it works. It works a little bit different. Uh, arranged marriages would have been what's normal, and so you would have had uh, two parents kind of have a conversation, and they'd say, hey, I got, I got a son. And they would say, hey, I got a daughter. They'd say, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about this, right? And, and one of the parents, probably the, the parent 
with the son would look at the other one and say, hey, you know, we'll give you a couple goats. How about you give us your daughter, right? They make an exchange and they would literally like put a, they would call it a bride price. And they would pay to form this union between their families. It's kind of hard to us, for us to imagine today, but Joseph and Mary's family would have done that. Uh, they would have set that all up. Uh, Joseph would have put some skin in the game and said, hey, I'm, I'm in. I put literally some financial resources into this. And then Mary and Joseph would be legally bound to one another. They would be betrothed to one another. But then during their betrothal, kind of their engagement, even though they would be legally bound to each other, they would be separated kind of for the course of their engagement. So they wouldn't see each other. Uh, They wouldn't be hanging out. They wouldn't be talking. They wouldn't be dating. They would be separate. Joseph would go kind of build a house for his family to live in. Uh, Mary would just kind of continue life as normal. And then once their wedding day came, they would move into this home that, that the man, that Joseph, would have prepared for them. So they're in the middle of that betrothal. Of course, we heard Mary's story last week that in the middle of uh, this unbelievable story, we we start to see that Mary hears this news that she is going to be pregnant, that she is, by the Holy Spirit, going to give birth to this son. So here's kind of where this story picks up from Joseph's perspective. I'm going to read it for us, and we'll come back, kind of break it apart a piece at a time. This is going to show up in a big way in Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. So if you have a Bible with you, you want to read along, you're welcome to open that. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. You look on your phone if you want to. Otherwise, you can just listen along here as we read through. Here's what Matthew tells us. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. There's kind of a snapshot of what's happening. We enter into the story, and right away you start to hear uh, Joseph is in the midst of this betrothal. He's engaged to Mary. He's got expectations of what his life is going to look like. He's got dreams, and he's anticipating, and now the direction for his future is set, and all of a sudden we hear this news enter, and everything is altered. Let's take a little bit closer look here. here. Here's what he opens the story with. Matthew tells us this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So you just have to get your mind around this. You have to put yourself, I think, in Joseph's shoes and imagine what it would be like. He's a young man. He's probably 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that range. 
full of hope and energy and enthusiasm and zeal, probably for life. Again, his direction is set. Uh, He would probably not know Mary very well, but been excited about having that peace locked in. And now he finds out your to-be wife is pregnant, and the one she is pregnant with, she is claiming is God. God has made her pregnant. Can you imagine that? How, How do you receive that news? This is unheard of. Nobody has ever heard of anything like this before. Who gets pregnant by God, by the Holy Spirit? Are you serious? I imagine that's how it would have sounded when they, when they talked back and forth. Tell, say it again. You're pregnant? By, by what? By the Holy Spirit? Really? You, want, you expect me to believe that? So he would have received that. We have no idea from the scriptures if he truly believed her or not. All we know is that he's a human being, he's a young man, he's out building his house for his wife and for his family that's going to be, and now he's struck by this unbelievable news, and he probably, he has to feel like his life is rocked at this point, right? Like my entire future and the trajectory of my life is altered. My life is over, as I know. That's how, that's how it would feel. And I don't know if you guys have ever been through something like that where, where something happens and, and, and now maybe looking back on it in hindsight, everything worked out, but when you were going through it and it felt like life was over, like this is going to absolutely end me. I, I remember feeling this way. I was in seventh grade, man, and I, I was one of those kids that just like had, I had crushes, you know? I, I don't know if you were like this as a young, like a, a teenager or a, Student, I, I had a crush bad on this girl. So bad, man. And I remember, I was like, I tried to secretly maneuver, you know, and try to like weave into her friend group and get to know her a little bit and drop some hints that, that, that yeah, I'm interested, you know. I tried to kind of lay it out there a little bit, but not too much because I didn't want to get rejected, you know. But, but eventually, I got to the point where she said yes. And I was like, oh man, my life is, it's made, she said, yeah, I can't believe it. She said, yes. You know, and in seventh grade, dating looks like uh, you pass notes in the hall, right? I mean, there's no, like, actual dating to it. You might go on a group date, uh, maybe, but, but it doesn't really mean anything. But to me, I thought, this is amazing. I got the girl to say yes to me, and now we're going out, whatever that means. You know, I'm not kidding you. 13 days later, her friend tells me that she dumped me, right? And man, I was ruined. I was ruined. I went home. I'm not kidding you. I cried like a baby. I was like, mom, she dumped me. It's over. My life is over. I mean, it was like an entire event, man. It was a crisis for me, you know? And I'm, I, I'm in seventh grade. It's the thing. But in that moment, in that little moment, I was blown up. My entire world was shattered and altered. Now, a couple decades later, I look back at that moment of wonder that I was in the thick of. God, have you forsaken me? You know, she, bro- she broke up with me. Now I look back at that moment and I think, ooh, I stand in a moment of wonder. God, thank you for crushing that relationship. I'm sure glad that thing didn't play out the way that I hoped it did. 
right? My moment of wonder was turned into a moment of wonder because now I'm married to my wife, and if it would have played out the other way, ooh, buddy, that would not, that would not have played well at all, right? And we all have stories like that. If you married your seventh grade crush, if, you, if it played out exactly the way that you thought it was going to play out, usually it's not as hopeful or as wonderful as you might think. And even for Joseph, in the thick of what I'm positive was a moment of wonder, God, why? Why is my wife pregnant and can I believe her? I don't, I don't even know her that well. And now I have to, I have to deal with this thing? Are you serious? Eventually, he's going to be able to look back at that moment and stand in awe of what God did in his life. The great privilege and the honor that he got to be, in essence, the stepdad to the son of God. But as it was playing out, it was a moment of wonder. The, the, the coin hadn't flipped yet. And he would continue, at least in this moment, to be shaken and rocked by what would have felt like a life-altering event. Matthew goes on, he tells us, because Joseph, uh, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I'm amazed by this response. Amazed by it. Because he, he could have, Joseph could have looked at Mary and said, I'm going to end you now. I'm going to ruin you. I'm going to take your name through the mud. Everybody's going to know. Right? Everybody's going to know. Uh, because you shamed me, I'm going to shame you back. You disgrace me, I'm going to disgrace you back. I, I'm going to take your family to He would have had the legal right to be able to do that, to take that family to court for breaking the betrothal, right? all that. And instead, what he does is he makes a conscious decision to, to be a man of the law. That's what the, the scripture says, that he was faithful to the law what Joseph does is rather than running to whatever his natural response would have been, revenge or anger, right, or vengeance of any kind, he runs back to the law. He runs to his relationship with God, and it's fascinating to watch how that plays out. Here's what I said in your notes. I said, when life feels out of control, we run to the one who is never shaken. That's what Joseph did. His life felt shaken. It felt out of control. And he makes this conscious decision that he, I'm going to run to the one who is never shaken. I'm going to run to the law. I'm going to listen to the voice of the one that I can trust, who does not fail, who does not leave, who is always there. He never forsakes. And I'm going to do what he says to do. When all else feels like it's crumbling, I'm going to do the right thing because that's what the voice of my Savior said. That's what the voice of my God would say. It's fascinating to think about what might have been going on in Joseph's head. Right? He's a man of the law. Maybe Joseph would have had verses like this swirling in his heart and his mind as he made these decisions. As he thought about how to interact with Mary and, and how to approach her and what to do with her legally, he, he might have had verses like this in the back of his mind. He would have been very familiar with the Old Testament. Maybe this one would have been floating back there. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. The one, he's my God, the one in whom I take refuge. 
Maybe when, when all else failed, he thought, God, you are my rock. I'm going to run to you. Right? When his life felt like it was exploding, he could run to the God that he trusted. He is his deliverer, his fortress. It's fascinating. I think it's something that we could do. Right? Because we have moments like Joseph, moments of wonder. When it feels like all is exploding in our lives, just like he did, we have an option to run to what's natural to us or to say, Lord, you are my rock, my deliverer. I'm going to run to the one who's never shaken. Lord, you're not going to fail me. I can trust you. Uh, at the end of the day, every human and every pursuit and everything that I know, it's all going to fail, but you don't fail. This foundation is solid and secure, and I'm going to cling to you in the midst of it. It's exactly what Joseph did. He ran to the one who is never shaken. He might have had a verse like this in the back of his mind as he thought through the Old Testament. Micah 6.8, He's shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Man, he, I don't know if he had that in his head or not, but it's exactly what he did here. Rather than execute judgment onto Mary, rather than drag her through the mud, he makes this conscious decision to show her mercy. He says, I, I'm going to divorce you quietly. I'm going to minimize this effect on you. I'm not going to do all that I could do if I was enraged in acting out of that rage. He looks and he says, I, I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to be tender to you. I'm going to be kind to you. He doesn't totally understand what's happening, but certainly he acts with integrity and mercy and humility, recognizing that his God is the one that he could run to. It's fascinating how the story continues to play out. It says this in verse 20. It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph looks and he says, I'm going to run to God. I'm going to run to the Father. I'm going to run to the one who's never shaken. I'm going to do the right thing, even though it doesn't make sense. I'm going to love mercy. I'm going to walk humbly. And then in that response, as he's being faithful to God, God literally shows up in the middle of the story. God, he intervenes and this angel shows up in this dream and he kind of communicates to Joseph that it's okay, that you're going to be fine. And I think it's fascinating to look at this because in the midst of our moments of wonder, this is true in our lives, just like it is in the in true of Joseph's life, when, when nothing makes sense, when life is confusing, when the budget doesn't add up, and I'm up at night and I'm wondering, I'm thinking about, God, how is this going to play out? And I'm losing sleep over this relational issue or this tension or a job thing that I've got to manage or make sense of. When the moments of wonder have overwhelmed us, here's the thing. God is always in the thick of that. He's always with us in our moments of wonder. 
just like an angel is going to physically show up here in Joseph's dream and communicate God's presence to him. In our lives, God is active and he shows up in all kinds of ways. Of course, it's often not going to be an angel in a dream. But it's going to be a person in our life that's going to show up and bring encouragement or hope or a text message. It's going to be an encouraging piece of scripture that we, we open to and we recognize that, God, this is you speaking to me. This is your presence in my life. And Joseph, in this portion of the story, I believe, was able to go from a moment of wonder. God, what are you doing? How does this play out? Where is my life headed now? I'm with you, but are you, am I sure that I can trust you? To now he's going to stand in awe in a moment of wonder. God, thank you. Wow, this is true. This is mind-blowing. I get to be a part of this. I get to be the one who comes alongside Mary and respond and be kind of stepdad to the very Son of God. It's fascinating. right? God is always with us in our moments of wonder. Certainly true for Joseph, and it's also going to be true in our lives. And as Joseph was looking at this dream and waking up from this dream, certainly he had to process, how am I going to respond to this? And I wonder if there was, again, he's a man of the law, an important phrase in this story. I wonder if in the back of his mind some verses were playing out, maybe like this one. All the way back into Deuteronomy, never will I leave you, never Will I forsake you? I wonder if he, I wonder if he thought about that. God, you are with me. I, I can cling to you. I can trust you. You are my God. Maybe it was one like this. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Right, because he's got this dream. And even if he walks away and believes what happened to him, he still has to deal with the fallout of all of the human beings that have to respond to this, this thing that happened to Joseph and Mary, right? Because they know about it. They had an angel talk to them. They had this supernatural event happen, but nobody else had that experience, right? At least not that we know of in the story so far, right? So we just look at, at their story, and now everybody has to interpret what happened here, Mary and Joseph. You guys, did something happen that we didn't know about? You guys in trouble? Did you break the law? Were you together physically before all this? Joseph, was she with, was she with another man? What's going on here? The conspiracy and the scandal and the theorizing would all have been playing out. It's a small town. So jo- Joseph's looking at this, and this now becomes both a moment of wonder, God, thank you that I get to do this, and God also a moment of wonder, how am I going to steward this? How am I going to manage all these people now that are not going to understand? And they're not going to know, and I, there's no real way I'm going to be able to explain to them, just like Mary would have a difficult time explaining it to me. But if the Lord is with me, I'm not going to be afraid. What, what can mere mortals do to me? What can people do to me? If this is my lot, I'm going to lean in, and I'm going to land in a place of faith. I just want to recognize this for a minute. What, what Joseph does here is, is he lands in this place of faith. Let me just read verses 24 and 25. 
It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. And he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. I find this fascinating. Joseph looks and he, he recognizes that God is active in his life. He is there in his moment of wonder. Now he could have came out of that dream and just said, I don't know, man, that was a weird dream. Strange. You know, maybe I had some bad hummus. Right? Like, what happened? Is, is this really God working in my life? Did that really happen? Isn't this what we do? Is that just a coincidence that that person said that thing to me that is exactly the thing I'm dealing with right now? Isn't it just a coincidence that I read that passage of Scripture that speaks exactly to where my life issue is? Isn't it a coincidence that somebody sent me that text message and said they're praying for me? Isn't it a coincidence that I showed up at church today and I don't really know why I came? Isn't it? See, Joseph could have looked at that dream and woke up and it's foggy and it was a dream and maybe, I don't know, man. Well, he doesn't do that, though. He recognizes that it is God himself intervene and he acts in faith based on that. He recognizes that, God, you're working in my heart, in my life. And against all odds, and maybe even against all logic, he marries this woman who, from the outward appearance, appears to have failed him. From the outward appearance, uh, appears to be scandalous. And he looks and he says, Lord, I don't care the cost. I'm I'm in. If you tell me to do this, I'm going to follow you in it. And he acts in faith. This is fascinating. Joseph, in all of this, is able to go from a moment of wonder. God, did you just blow my life up? Is it all ruined? Why me? Where are you? And by faith, recognizing what God was doing in his life would take that moment of wonder and turn it into a moment of wonder. God, yes. Thank you. I'm in. Thank you that I get to be the stepdad to the very son of God. This is amazing. What an amazing privilege and an amazing honor. I wonder today, as we look at Joseph's story and as we look at Mary's story, we look at this today and we say, what do we do with this? Right? How, do, how do we look back at some people that lived a whole long time ago? And, and how do we draw principles for that today? Here's what I know. I, I know that you, like me, wrestle with moments of wonder that you wonder, God, what are you doing? Did, did you leave me? Are you with me? It, are you mad at me? Have you forsaken me? I think we wrestle with those. 
and we look at our circumstances or the way that our life has played or the way that it's trending, and we have deep and real questions, just like Joseph did. We wrestle with moments of wonder. And I think like Joseph, if we can stop and see what God is doing, if we can start to get an idea of the presence of God and how he's working in our hearts and our lives and our circumstances, we can take that moment of wonder and turn it into a moment of wonder. Where the pain doesn't go away and doesn't mean all the things are answered, but I can stand and look and say, God, thank you. You have been faithful. You have shown up in my life. You have given me privileges and responsibilities and gifts that are far beyond what I deserve. Thank you. It's a moment of wonder. And even in the thick of it, even if it's not all solved, it certainly wasn't in Joseph's life. It's half done, left undone. The people would whisper and the people would talk and and he had plenty more to tackle. But he was able to see the wonder of God's work in his life and he landed in a place of faith. What he chose to do is, is to run to the Father. To run to the one who he knew he could trust. And that didn't make any sense. In a minute, the band's going to come out. I just want to say, if you're here today, maybe you're like me, maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you haven't been in church in a long time. And you might have showed up here at church today in a moment of wonder, and you're not quite sure how do I deal with this and how do I wrestle with this and where is God in all of it? Let me just tell you this. Today, I need you to know that God loves you. He is not against you. In fact, I would argue that he cares so deeply about you that he's actually intentionally drawn you here even today because he wants your attention. He wants your heart. And he's longing to move you from a moment of wonder to a moment of wonder. And if you've never, you've never recognized that that's who God is, he's one who loves you and he sent his son Jesus, is who we're talking about, to save you from your sins, just like he did for me. That he's pursuing your heart. And here's what he would want you to know today. That Jesus, his son, this baby that's born that we're talking about, he's going to live innocently, never sins. He's going to die a death that is an innocent death, didn't deserve it. And then God's going to raise him from the dead. Then whoever believes in him can have new life and new faith and be made new from the inside out. And if you've never made that decision before, even though it doesn't make sense, and even though everything's not solved, and it certainly won't solve all your problems, just like Joseph's act of faith didn't solve his. But here's what you'll find. You will find the rock that never fails, the one you can run to, 
in every time of life, your fortress, your deliverer. You're going to find the peace and the wonder that God wants to bring. Never made that decision before. I would encourage you to do that today. Between you and the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm in. I don't know why you're doing what you're doing in my life, but I choose to trust you. I believe Jesus died for my sins, wants to save me. I want to be your follower. Never made that decision. Do that now with me. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to say thank you that in our moments of confusion, in doubt, in pain, that you don't abandon and you don't look at us and say, get your act together. Lord, you meet us there with mercy and with grace and with love. And you help us to see who you are how you're working in our hearts and our lives. Lord, would you help us to believe today that you are who you say you are and that we can run to you now no matter what's swirling out here. You are solid, unshakable. Father, it's to you that we run. Christ